There are people everywhere that have money that do not know what to do with it in order to make more of it. Everybody wants to put money in something that's going to have cost them very little time or effort, but they don't want to go out and do the hard work. And so when it comes to real estate and with all things, really, you've got three things, the deal, you've got the time, or you've got the money. And so if you can find the deal and you have the time, all you need to find is someone that doesn't have those other two things and you instantly can buy that property and move the ball forward. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. We going Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you with me today. I'm really excited because I, I, have, I have a friend of mine. We're in a mastermind together, um, and I am really inspired by his story and his experience. Um, before we dive into the content, as always, what's most important to me is that if there's someone that hears Lauren's story and is inspired, wants to learn more, or is passionate about it, or you think that there's someone else that also should hear this, please share it with them. That's all I ask because we do this, we give our time to this, we have these conversations to benefit people. We want people to hear this, we want people to know about this, and we want the right people to get the right level of education that hits them where they're at. So um, if this benefits you, please share this with one person. I appreciate the likes, I appreciate the subscri subscriptions, the, the ratings, all the things that make the podcast get bigger. But what's most important is the information and that the information falls in the right ears. So, Lauren, thank you for being with me. Thanks for, thanks for giving me your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And you laughed at my, uh, I don't know if you, did you judge my, my, uh, my parks? No judgment, no judgment, just pure appreciation. So. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, we, when, when my wife and I, we had our first kid, we just binged, uh, binged all of Parks and Rec and then I, nice. I binge it every year ever, ever since then so it's been my favorite uh <laughs> let's awesome. let's dive in though so you tell me tell me a little bit about your background um what got you into real estate investment what were you doing before real estate investment I think more importantly yeah so uh I have no real estate background whatsoever I actually have a master's in entomology which is the study of insects um, and was working in a, as a digital project manager, so overseeing Salesforce.com implementation across North America for the W2 mm -hmm. I have. And uh, when 2020 hit, I just realized that like the massive changes that had happened across the country, and it happened to our family, going from working to the office five days a week to working from home five days a week. Like I no longer felt as secure in my W2 income as what I had. And I wanted a different lifestyle for my family. Um, I have four small children, eight and under, and I was just working constantly. I was going to the office five days a week. I never saw them. And I needed to do something different to put us in a different financial state so that we could spend more time traveling and hiking. And we love being outside. And four, day, four weeks a year of vacation wasn't going to do it long term. And I knew things were just going to get more expensive. And the time that I spent with them was going to be more critical. And so I needed to do something else. So we started an Amazon business in 2020, um, did FBA for about nine months, made some money there. Actually, the startup money okay. that, you know, like $7,000 that I used to start my first, you know, get my first real estate property. But the time we were given up, because we had a baby at the time, we had like a five-month-old. Um, we were given up with our family, was just, we couldn't, we didn't get the margins that we were looking for on it. And so we, we put that, you know, shut that down, and then... I basically got in the mindset, I'm going to buy real estate. I don't have 20 or 30,000 in my account to buy real estate at this point in time. So it became a someday in a year, in two years, we'll do this. You know, when, you know, it's always the when this happens, right? And that just can just keeps getting kicked down the road more and more. And then in 2022, no, sorry, 2021, I was at a bonfire and I was talking to a guy that has real estate. And he says, if you find the right deal, we'll find the money. And like for some reason that mentality just like snapped in my head. It was pivotal because I went and started creating um, business plans. I started cold calling. Uh, I was looking at mobile home parks at the time. I had $7,000 to my name, or not to my name, but in my account that I could do stuff with for investing. 
And yeah. uh, the very first thing I did was invest in a course to figure out how I could creatively finance um, properties to purchase them. And so with that, I was able to lock up my first deal, which was a seller financing deal. Um, so the, the owner paid, carried the note yeah. and I paid him until I refinanced it. And then found a partner that had a lot of ties to private money in April of the following year. And since then, we've bought 53 properties. We own 77 doors and we have a 10-unit apartment building we're closing on next week. Awesome. Okay. I want to stop. I want to go through that whole thing slowly because <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. First off, my weird question, which is that, okay, you said entomology. You went to, yeah. you got a master's in that? Yep. Can you can you confirm for me? This is just this is just pure perception and it's naivety, and it can be heard as judgment. But uh, like, are there normal people that take that degree? Like, are there normal measured people that study entomology? It's an eclectic group that chooses to study that <laughs> <laughs> that, that major. Um, you know, the vast majority of my co-students or colleagues, whatever, were going into academia, right, to be professors, to be researchers. I was working in agriculture at the time. Um, and so I went into it. They were in there. How do we preserve the insects? How do we, you know, study them, whatever? I went in and my master's was how do I kill as many of these things with, with different <laughs> methods as possible in order to get the best crop possible? Um, Gosh, no one has ever said I'm specifically normal, so that that helps. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, well, so it, it's definitely say, you probably have a good you probably have a decent perception of like whether someone is like a balanced individual that like just loves insects. Like that's yeah. I'm just thinking that's like all those kids that like had ant farms, right? And I'm like, I'm trying to think of like there's any cool kids that had ant farms, and I'm like, I don't. Not many. I think anybody <laughs> that chooses to have an ant farm has some sort of god complex that they're trying to yeah. fulfill. <laughs> All right. All right. I just want to get that out of the way because I was I was like, okay, that's such an interesting degree. Do your kids like do your kids like bugs? Uh, yeah, they do actually. So um, they get a heavy dose of it because I know so much, right? And we live in North Carolina, <laughs> so there's there's plenty of fire ant hills to poke, or we get cicadas and we'll cicadas around, and we'll find their exoskeletons molted off and and things like that. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they don't mind them. They don't particularly like uh, ticks, fleas, or cockroaches. Um, but who likes those? Okay, so. True. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. I just want to get that out of the way. That was just, I, I heard that. I was like, I can't let this slide. I can't let this pass. I gotta, I gotta address it. Um, you seem pretty normal. You seem, you seem like a normal guy. So I'm, I think like, I'm glad you made it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so you, I also wanted to ask, cause I have friends, I, I work with people that do Amazon FBA. I did Amazon FBA. Um, what was your experience like with that? You, that, it checks out because most people that start off in like their, let me seek a side hustle. Let me try. Like I want to get back my time. I hate this corporate lifestyle. I want to be spending spending time with my family and also like I just want to own my own business. That's one of the main things in the past few years that people have tried. It's like Etsy or some level of Amazon arbitrage. Yeah. Um, pe some people tried drop shipping, but yeah, what was what got you into that? What made, what exposed you to that? Uh, it's actually my wife uh, found people online that were doing it, and it was, it was uh, the arbitrage, retail arbitrage model, right? Gotcha. And so, you know, on Excel sheets, which I'm super process-oriented, it made great sense and made a ton of ton of money on paper. And then you start getting into it, and there's just a lot of holes that you find. And as you started getting into it, like, okay, if Amazon changes their policies, this is the massive impact to my business. Or we spend yep. all this time sourcing a SKU that makes us money and then everybody else finds it and the margins all get cut on it. And so there's just this constant hunting exercise where then yep. you were relying your whole future, if you went full time into that, on what decisions Amazon was going to make that you had absolutely no control over. And so yeah. from a business standpoint, it didn't make sense to me to hold, to keep going forward with that. Um, but what it did do is it shifted my mindset from like worker to entrepreneur, because when you make yeah. that shift, at least for me, it was like, everything looked like an opportunity. You drive Pat yep. down the road and like, I wonder how much a billboard makes on every month. I wonder how much somebody yep. that owns the land underneath a cell tower. I wonder, you know, what's a painting company make? Everything looks like an opportunity. And it's that mm. mental shift that once you make, it's really hard to come back from and go back to just sitting in a cube and doing what you're told. I love that, man. That sounds very similar to me. I, so I, I actually, 
how much did you guys do in nine months? How much revenue? Uh, $270,000 or something That's like awesome. that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm guessing you did it at what, like 15% maybe? Like did you Yeah, did you we were just under 20. I think like 18 to 19%. So That's awesome. But it's a hustle, man. It's hustle and then did you do like primarily FBM or did you ship it all by yourself as well? We did primarily FBA um, with just a small number of SKUs that we shipped ourselves, primarily around Christmas time. So it was like there was something called a sensical, which is like these little vials of sticks that have smells. And I shipped so many of those things in in bubble mailers, (laughs) so many of those things. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. So and and to encourage anybody, like I've done it. My I think we've done what three twenty five in 12 months it's possible like you can totally do it people make money doing it i have i work with people that make seven figures like six figures easily but they have seven figure businesses that give them six figures per year and they've outsourced a lot of it like it is possible but to 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 your to your to confirm what you're saying i'm not doing i'm not doing amazon until like after this christmas i'm just gonna ride right out this christmas my team's doing it and i'm just letting them do their thing and uh, and I don't want to do it anything after that because there's so many better opportunity vehicles. Once you realize that you want to be a business owner and not and and not just a hustler, yeah. So that's the that's the one thing. That's it's really cool. That, it's really interesting you said that. And probably the people that I probably am friends with some of the people that taught you. Like you're talking about like Reezy Resales. I remember like, that uh, name. Chris Grant. I'm yeah, Grant was that was one. I'm trying to remember the name. Hustle Buddies was I think the group that we initially got yep. into. I can't remember his yeah. name right now. That's um, awesome. That's really cool. That's just small world. Whenever someone says that, I'm like, oh, I want to. I see it. It's cool. It's a hustler. <laughs> um, the and then and then you said you had seven thousand dollars that you then took and you were like, I want to get into real estate. Uh, let's talk about that conversation that you had with that investor friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it just kind of like a passing conversation where you're like, man, I really want to do this, but I don't have any cash. Was that, is it as simple as that? So I had, I had never wanted to be in real estate. My dad had one rental growing up and it was, I mean, he just basically took anybody with a pulse. And so it was just a constant nightmare of tenant issues. Um, and my yeah. wife's family had some rentals and she's kind of always said, Oh, we have a few rentals here and there maybe. And I was like, I don't really want to deal with toilets and tenants. Um, but when my buddy Ryan got, a rental a couple of years ago, he was telling me, Oh, I bought it for this and I'm making $400 a month. And at that point I was still, I still had those grand visions of you buy a hundred units at $400 a month, you know, that you're going to make all this money and not figuring out all the CapEx and everything else. Um, and so he was the one that I was talking to originally and got me inspired to do it. Um, and so as we were talking through it, he was already doing, he had several rentals, like two or three rentals and he was doing flips. Um, and I had just got myself into a scarcity mindset of, I need to have 20% down in order to f- uh, afford to buy a property. And then you save up your money, you get another 20% and you do another one. It becomes this really slow progression forward. And yeah. what I didn't realize at the time and what I see very, very clearly now is that there is no lack of capital in this world. There are people everywhere that have money that do not know what to do with it in order to make more of it. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to put money in something that's going to have cost them very little time or effort, um, but they don't want to go out and do the hard work. And so when it comes to real estate and with all things, really, you've got three things. You've got the deal, you've got the time, or you've got the money. And so if you can find the deal and you have the time, all you need to find is someone that doesn't have those other two things and you instantly can buy that property and move the ball forward. Um, And as you kind of move up the investor ladder, then the goal is to have someone else take the time and have someone else take the, you know, you maybe find the deals or even you outsource that. But the ultimate goal is to do less things and use more of your money to make more money. But when you're starting out, you've got to bring the time and you've got to bring the deal forward. Have you ever seen uh, Have you ever seen the show Shark Tank? I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I think about it a lot this way, where it's like you have the you have these 100 millionaires. Um, I think most all of them are at least at least nine figures plus in terms of net worth. And you have someone come up to them and saying, "I want fifty thousand dollars for 25 percent of my company," right? Um, and the equivalent, like if someone were to walk off up to an average stranger, it's like there's this like invest $50 with me and I can make you, you know, 
hundreds, right? right. Uh, and I, I think to your point, there's a huge disconnect between that person with the dream and asking for the investment and the person that has the money that just doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, and part of the reason they do that show, like I, I, I was listening to an interview from Mark Cuban and he was like, uh, almost every single deal falls flat. Almost every single one. Like the, you might, he, he says, he was like, I might've broken even overall, <laughs> but it, majority of the businesses that I invest in that appear on Shark Tank, they don't follow through and they don't actually make money and they're not actually profitable. Um, and what's funny about that is like the consistent willingness to be like, yeah, I'll still invest is because that's how much, how how much abundance they have that they say, okay, I am investing in this most of the time entrepreneur. And I believe maybe less in the product and more so in the person of, of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build. Um, whereas the person sitting there being like, man, I only need $50,000 to make this dream a reality or at least to really have a shot. Um, I love that you identified that within the real estate space because I think that's super true that there's people that don't want to do the work that are ready to be in that investor level that are bored. Um, and they're saying, man, I, w- I would really like to find someone I can trust that can do something that I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not even like I need a surefire thing. I need to double up a hundred percent. It's like, no, I'd be fine if I get an 8% increase in a different way. That's exciting for me. Yeah. So I can have an impact. How can how can I diversify my portfolio, which mitigates my risk and further mitigating my risk by people that are actually doing it, you know, have done it and yeah. have a track record so that yeah. I can grow my personal wealth while they grow their wealth as well. Right. And the nice yeah. thing about real estate versus some of those businesses on Shark Tank is my investments are all backed by hard assets. Right. Yeah. And so as long as you're buying correctly and you know what you're doing as an operation standpoint, it's not impossible to lose money, but it's much less risky than say, I'm going to give you $50,000 for the newest, hottest toy that's going to hit Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And it's, yeah, there's some, there's the, the math of that is like so different. And like, uh, to affirm your point even more, 90% of millionaires are millionaires because of real estate. Mm-hmm. That's the math. And then a hundred percent of billionaires are billionaires because of private equity. And that affirms, both the things that you're talking about, which is that like some people really want to invest and real estate is the most common way that that happens. Um, so I, I, I love that you, uh, that you found yourself in that like predicament. Um, tell me about that conversation and how that shifted you now that you're an entrepreneur, how they said, okay, if you can go find deals, I'll back you. We'll find the money somewhere. What did that, what, how did that impact? It took my, my vision of what's possible from this narrow view of this one opportunity to just exploded it to the whole, everything's possible if you structure it the right way. Right. And so the same way FBA took me from, I'm a worker to now I'm an entrepreneur. It changed how I saw money. I didn't see money as this thing that people held on to and then they gave a dollar to get $2 back and it was this linear increase for the rest of time, right? It became this, how can I find value, put that out to the marketplace and people will reward me for finding those values and for my hard work by giving their dollars in for exponential growth over time. And let's connect it to, to FBA, because FBA is exactly like you're saying. Sourcing is hard, especially retail. It means you're going out to stores, and this is education for, like, I know what you're talking about for someone yeah. that doesn't know FBA. I've had a couple, a couple FBA people on here. Uh, it's going out to stores, going out to locations, scanning products, seeing that if you could buy that product there from that clearance rack or maybe from that sale, and you could sell it on Amazon, right. how much of a profit would you have, if you would have a profit at all? Um, and so it was time intensive. It, it, it takes, takes your energy. You have to go out and drive to stores. Uh, it's even capital intensive Mm -hmm. because you have to buy the products and you don't know if you're going to be able to sell them. Um, you don't know if, you know, like you, hopefully you're ungated, which means you're allowed to sell the product. And then, you know, like there's so, there's just so many complications with it. And even if you do something called online arbitrage, which is what I did. Um, and it's what my, my, my team currently does. Like, uh, you're finding the same products. It's online. The margins are even smaller and 
the you know it's a, it's the same capital intensive issues and it's the same amount of risk, uh, but you're learning the skill set and you establish the skill set of going and finding deals. Effectively, that's what you did. You did it at a retail level at stores. So you had the back-end hustle mentality and mindset of, I can go find the deal. I can find the gold. I can find the, you know, the needle in the haystack that's going to get me the right amount of profit. So you went back home. You talked to your wife. What did you do? Like, Did you buy a course first before you started looking? Or did you just start looking? So the first thing I do whenever I'm trying to learn something new is I, I go through what I think of as like a, a learning learning funnel, right? So whenever you start something new, you have no idea what you don't know. And so I threw myself into watching every YouTube video I could come up with and then writing down every term that I didn't understand and looking those things up because the the fastest way to understand a niche is to understand the nomenclature and terms that people use when talking about that. Because until you understand that, it's just like a foreign language. Like, oh, do you know what the LTV is or what the ARV is? And, you know, all these terms that investors, I say that and they know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're not in real estate, you have no idea what an LTV is or ARV or, you know, some of these other things. Um, and so you have to understand that first. Then from there, then I start listening to podcasts. I start reading forums until I get to a certain level. Then I read books and then I start doing courses because at some point, all the information that's free and easy, it becomes very time consuming to pick through it, to figure out the new ideas and understand the new concepts you haven't figured out yet. So the fastest way to escalate things from there is to get a course or to get a mentor that you can ask specific questions or is going to go into much more detail on specific subjects. I was just going to ask, like, who, so who did you first find in the real estate space that educated you for free? And then what course so, did you buy? Bigger Pockets, number one. And then um, Coach Carson on YouTube, he has the some of the best like how to run numbers videos like on a whiteboard, super back of napkin stuff. And I bought Coach Carson's course on creative financing because I already trusted him. I knew his stuff was some was approachable. I would be able to deal with it. And I had seven thousand dollars, and it was a like a seven hundred dollar course. And I kicked around even spending that $700 for so long. I was so nervous that <laughs> I was going to, you know, it was going to be a waste of money and I wasn't going to get my value out of it and stuff. Yeah. And I've turned that $700 course into like, you know, $5 million worth portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so bigger pockets. Talk to me about them. Cause I, everyone that gets started in the real estate space, usually you've been listening to the podcast, like everyone I talk to, it's like, I started listening to it. I listened to it on my way home from work, on my way to work. You know, and I, I, that's where I learned about the concept of house hacking. That's what, how I learned about all these, like, you know, uh, like maybe even subject two or some of these other like methods of like finding your first property. Uh, was there a difference when Brandon Turner was a part of it versus when he left? It's, it's hard for me to judge that. When Brandon Turner was part of it, I was still very new. And so Bigger Pockets is the juggernaut in that space, right? And what the value that Bigger Pockets has is they provide their, their listeners what's possible, right? The mindset you need to have, but also just that it's possible to have nothing and in three years have an $800,000 a month wholesaling business, right? Or that there's subject twos or that there's um, tax credits or whatever the thing is. Like they expose people to different things that you might not necessarily pick up at a local meetup or on a forum or something else. And once you have that nugget that something's possible, then all you have to do is figure out if someone else can do it, then I sure, sure as hell can do it. So how do I do it, right? And so um, I can't say, I've listened to the David Green, Rob uh, Abasola podcast a few times, but at, by the time he, Brandon switched out, I'd kind of moved past that level of where I was looking and had moved mm -hmm. into business stuff. So I moved last year, 2022 was about how to buy properties, how to build a real estate portfolio. 2023 was about how to build a business. And so this year is all about, about building, you know, reading business books, listening to business podcasts, um, putting systems and processes in place and trying to figure out how I tur turn my real estate hobby or portfolio into a real estate business. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay. So um, talk to me. You, you said something that I love, which is that you had $7,000 to spend. And that wasn't so like some people like, 
they might not even feel like they have seven, like they might have seven thousand dollars in their savings account, right? And they're like, man, this is all I got. I got a family, got kids. I, I don't. I, I don't. This is how much risk I got. I already feel like my back's against the wall. And you had that at least in a let me play with it, let me see what I can do from an investment perspective account. Um, already smarter, already ahead of people. And then you still admit that seven hundred dollars. You were like, should I buy this? Yeah. <laughs> talk to me about that because you probably had confidence that it was going to work out but talk to me about the decision making process of like I don't know if I want to invest in this course it's going to actually push me to the next level I think again it goes back to the scarcity mindset and when you're new you really struggle with being able to bet on yourself and so what what you're doing when you buy a course or um, pay for someone to mentor you is you're not specifically paying for that course or that, that mentorship, but you're paying for the knowledge that you can then apply to your business, right? And so when you're first starting out, you've never proven to yourself that I can take this information that they're going to give me and I'm going to actually do something with it that's going to create value. And so the first time you do it, I'm looking, I'm like, this is... 10% of everything I have to spend. If I lose this money, lose, right? I spend the money and I don't use this use this material, then now I'm down to $6,300. I'm further away from where I wanted to go. And so it's, it is terrifying in a sense. In the grand scheme of things, I look back, I'm like, that was such a silly thing that you're worried about six, you know, $700. But I think it speaks more to the mentality of somebody that's new that's never done it. Every time you do something new, it's going to be terrifying. Mm -hmm. I remember driving specifically to the lawyer's office to sign the papers for my very first property and thinking about turning around and just going home. Like we'd already gone through all the paperwork. We'd all the, already had the check in my pocket for the down payment, everything. I'd got the HELOC on my house, like everything. And I'm halfway there. I'm like, I could just come turn around and go home. Like I don't have to go sign these papers. I was terrified, right? But I knew it was the right decision. Mm -hmm. And so I just... It's not what I wanted to do because I was terrified, but I did not let fear get in my way of going to do it, right? And now that property after renovations and refi is making me $896 a month in cash flow. So in long term, it's going to appreciate like crazy. It was a great purchase. It was a great investment. But you're, you get yourself all worked up and terrified of things that you've never done. And the only reason you're scared of them is because you've never done them, right? And this happens today. Mm. Even when I move into new stuff, even though I've shown myself that I can do these things, we start heading into a new arena or a new big project. We're buying a 10 unit apartment building right now. Like there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of fears and you have to kind of sit down and what are these fears or fears are actually logical fears and which ones are just emotional fears and label them as such and then either put a plan in place for the ones that you can control or figure out how you mitigate and to mitigate them or accept them or pass. Those are your three options. Uh, I, I, I mean, Alex Moses calls it the SME 500. I love it, where it's like you invest in mm -hmm. yourself, right? Like that's, that's ultimately the only thing that's going to have an exponential return because you, when you become the asset, uh, that I, I think I saw uh, even Ryan Pineda posted something uh, today, and he probably recorded it a long time ago. And by the time <laughs> this podcast comes out, it'll come out a long time ago. I don't even think it went viral, but he just said, you can take away all my assets, all my business, everything. You can take away everything that I have and I would still be okay um, because he now knows what to do. Once you've built, once you've hustled, once you've gotten to another place, you have such an asset from your knowledge that you're never starting back at zero. You're starting back with such an advantage of every person that's trying to learn and every person that's trying to grow. So that's why... I work in the education space. That's why I work in the info product space. That's why I work with people that sell info products because I believe that that investment on the right things is just such an, it's just so exponentially valuable. And I've seen so many lives impacted because of things we've created. Uh, so true. You know, even, even, in, and even just like the content I'm making for people that helps, like, like there's some coaches where I'm helping where it's like their primary goal is just to give people value for free. But, because of those people, because of what they're making, because of their products that they're selling, people have grown so exponentially and you can't actually factor in the people that they're going to impact, right? And so I, I just, I, I think I want to encourage anybody, like you're hearing 
like your story is rare because you, you don't normally have someone that does it that fast. You don't normally have someone that commits that quickly, having the reservations that you've had, and then going from zero to, what'd you say? 55 properties. 53, yeah. In 18 months, 18 months, 19 months. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Okay. So there's someone's going to say that's a scam. There's someone's going to say it's dumb. I know it's not because you don't, you're not, <laughs> you have, you know, your Instagram profile doesn't have as many followers right now. So you have nothing to scam. I'm there's not selling anything either. It. It's real. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's just crazy. So like, tell me, tell me like, there's the element of that you've learned. And then there's something that separates you. Like, would you say that your skill set is finding deals and then you just have the, the right strategic partnerships where it's worked out? Like what's been the secret sauce that has led to that amount of growth in 18 months? Because I know people that are, have been doing it for years, bigger pockets fans for years. And they're like, we just got our 10th property. Yeah. And so a caveat to that before you answer that question is going back to what you said about Ryan Pineda. I think that despite how fast I've grown in 18, 19 months, if you took everything away and I had to start from zero, I would do the same thing, but faster because now I've made all the mistakes and I've learned so much that I would be able to scale even quicker mm -hmm. and the quality in 10 months would be even better than what I have today. Right. Um, so what yeah. I am exceptionally good at and what my business partner is also exceptionally good at is I'm extremely good at processes and systems. I'm also an action taker. So if you give me something and say, this is the right thing to do, and I believe that this is the right thing to do, or if I figure out what the right thing to do is, like it's going to be a matter of weeks, if not less than two months before I have implemented it and move it, move the ball forward. Um, and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time you know, kicking around the idea and asking everybody and their brother that has no idea what they're talking about, if they think it's a good idea and they're unwilling to take the action yeah. to do it. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. and my wife thinks it's a, I have an all or nothing mentality. That's what she says. Um, but, uh, I think that it's, it's that drive to take action. I have this unrelenting sense of urgency and I always have for everything I've ever done. And I don't know where that comes from, mm. but I have this unrelenting sense of urgency that I have to move things forward as fast as I possibly can. Otherwise it will get taken from me. And maybe that has to do with my, mm. in the past, I've shifted my, what I've been interested in one way or the other quickly. Like I used to brew a lot of beer and I was in grad school and I would do this. And like my hobbies changed every six months to 18 months. And so I was like, I got to get as much of it done as possible quickly. But I think it has more to do with, I learn so quickly and I take action so quickly that after a certain period of time, I start getting bored. Right. And so then I changed, changed tax again. So I'm extremely action oriented. Mm. I'm extremely process oriented. So when I started out, one of the things you need to do is figure out how to run numbers. And so I started out just running numbers on my calculator on a piece of paper, quickly figured out, I don't want to do this repeatedly all the time. So I built uh, basically a form in Excel that you just type in like six numbers and it pumps out the numbers for you on whether it's a good deal or not. Now I have my admin, she just types the numbers in for me. And then if it, I have it conditionally formatted, so that if it's a good deal, it it's green. And if it's a mediocre deal, it's yellow. And if it's a bad deal, it's red. And then she sends me the yellow and green ones. And so that cuts down on my workload and speeds things up. Um, and then once you start getting rolling, and I think one of the amazing things about real estate and anything really is once you start getting a track record of success, like people want to be part of that. And so my business partner and I are exceptionally good at raising money. Like we've raised $6.2 million in 18 months in our first 18 months of business to buy all these properties. We purchased all these properties with uh, none of our own money. Um, and our investors are making a really good return on their investment. And it's because we, A, focus on the needs of the group, not any short-term gains for ourselves, right? And that's part of our just general mentality of rising tide lifts all ships. And we are constantly looking for really solid deals where, you know, we're hustling all the time. Um, I'm trying to take a step back so I can be with my family a little bit more. And by step back, I mean, you know, work like 14 hour days and not 18 hour days. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So wait, wait, let me cut you off. Let me cut you off. So, cause, cause you're highlighting something that is the truth, which is that, uh, you were working corporate and you were like, I don't like the fact that I'm away from my kids and away from my family. 
uh, I don't like the fact that I'm spending five days a week here. I've got four kids and I want to spend more time with them. And you just confessed to me right there. I caught you. I, I got you. You trapped yourself. You just said, okay, you've, you've traded the 40-hour work week for the 60-plus, 80-hour yep. you know, work yep. week. <laughs> 100%. Of, and, and then the financial risk and burden and headaches. So, so talk to me about that and that sacrifice because I don't think people appreciate that because a lot of people, a lot of people you know, they preach like you know, entrepreneurship gives you all the freedom in the world. And that's just, at least in my short experience, you have, you know, like I have a shorter experience than you, uh, not the truth. Like I, I have access to freedom. I can choose freedom, but there's the thing in my back of my mind where it's like, if I choose this freedom, uh, it's limiting my potential for growth in the next two yeah. months. So every, like, it's hard for me to spend time with my kids in the next room and not like be like, Oh, I gotta go answer that email because I want to push forward. Talk to me about it. You're hundred percent right. Right. Um, I think to me that idea of entrepreneurial freedom is people looking at things from a lens of 10 years from now, not in a year. Like if you think you're going to have more freedom and, and more income and more peace of mind in the next two to three years, if you're starting to build a business, like you've been sold a bill of goods, like there is a certain level of work and sacrifice that Everyone has to put in. We go back to those three things, time, deal, and money. If you don't have the money, then you have to put the time in, right? And and you have to have the deal. And so you have to be willing to sacrifice. Now, you don't have to work as hard as I do, right? So if we think it like if I want to get from zero to my goal, and let's just say that you take 100 sacrifice points, whatever that means, to get from A to B, right? You can spread those 100 sacrifice points out. I'll do one point today and one point tomorrow and one point the next day. And eventually you'll get to your goal. Or you can front load the shit out, the crap out of it, right? And put like 50 <laughs> sacrifice points in the first three days. And then you're done after a week. Yep. And so it's how long do yep. you want that pain period to be? And if you're got momentum and you're making things move forward. I think too many people, they start getting comfortable and they start taking their foot off the gas too early because if you're not to the point mm -hmm. where you have multiple mm -hmm. people doing things for you, you can step out and things still happen, then you're not at a spot you can take a step back yet, yep. right? You haven't earned the right to step back yet and take your foot off the gas because you maybe you're seeing some success, but all you've done is given yourself a comfortable job or a high paying job. And the, I'm, yeah. I'm not willing yeah. to get there to do that. Yeah. Right? So I'm willing to take the short term sacrifice for the long term reward. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think a lot of people are too. I think you have to assess for yourself when is the appropriate time to sacrifice. Because some people, like for example, if you have no kids, yeah, sacrifice the <laughs> right. Like, like seriously, like go crazy. Because if you have if you have zero kids. And you're like, okay, all we're doing is sacrificing for each other. We're sacrificing our own time. You have the future to do whatever you mm -hmm. want to do. If you have kids, maybe it's like I want to. I'm willing to sacrifice. Like, I'm I'm assessing this right now. Like, I got two kids under four, and I'm like, man, I, I I'm glad I'm here for the first steps for my my second born, right? And I'm like, I really just want to, I really want to embrace the next like three months of his life. Mm -hmm. I really want to like enjoy it. So. It means that I'll probably set some boundaries, and it might mean I have to sacrifice some other things. It might mean that social life goes down. It might mean that spending goes way down, right? It might mean that like there's other things that I'm like, I'm not going to spend any time watching TV. I'm not going to spend any time doing the things that probably normal people do to to veg. I'm going to commit time to kids. And I'm going to commit time to to working. But the reality is that everyone has to make that sacrifice at some point if you're going to find something successful. Um, and I do want to encourage people listening to this lauren has self-confessed that he is not he did not start in real estate as a real estate investor and as someone who's really passionate about real estate but what he identified that he's really good at is systems um and you're an operator at heart and you found a way to to go to the highest opportunity vehicle for your skill set which is operations and systems um can you talk to me about, like, if 
are, are you in particular also really good at raising capital or is that more so your business partner? So my, my business partner has a really strong ability. He probably, he's probably better than raising, raising capital than me. Um, he's also was in the industry for five or six years. So he came with a whole list of pre-existing relationships. Um, but I have been able to bring in several yeah. investors since then. Um, and honestly, I get a lot of people asking me, like, how do you find private money lenders? And I've had, a, I've had better luck making private money lenders than, than finding them. And but I, what I mean by that is because of my success with buying rental properties, I have a lot of people that come to me and be like, I have $200,000 in cash. I want to start buying rental properties. Can you teach me how? Right. And I start walking them through. Absolutely. I'm happy to give my time up. I start walking through. This is what you need to know. This is how you run your numbers. This is, I'll give you all my documents, like everything. And like, <laughs> Nine times out of 10, they're like, that's a, that's a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, it took me years to get this stuff. I'm like, I'm happy to help you. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, you can just give me your money and I'll give you like this much return and you don't have to do anything. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. And then, you know, I'll learn from you how to do rentals. I'm like, great. I'm happy to keep helping. And when you're ready to buy rentals, I will happily help you do that too. But don't put your money in a money market at 4% when you can give it to me and I'll pay you, you know, 20. So... <clears throat> <laughs> well and what you don't right like maybe you maybe you see this maybe you don't see this but like what you're doing is consulting sales that's consulting sales you're saying hey it's like consultative hey if you want to do this these are the resources it takes to do this and you confront them with the amount of work even if you have the accurate information and then they're like oh actually can i just go with the done for you model and you're like hell's yeah <laughs> give me like here's my here's Here's my bank account. This just wire wire it over. We got you. We'll help you out. It's, uh, that's that is awesome. I love that. So uh, in that same way, so like, what is what is your burden with content, right? Because you've identified there's ways for people to do these things. It's learnable. It's teachable. It takes a hustle. It takes grind. You've sacrificed a lot to get to where you are. Um, I guess it moves me to like, where's your goal? You said you're you're buying. A, you're buying 10 doors, uh, you're in the process of it, right? So like, I'm sure I could ask you a bunch of questions about how you've scaled. I want to be sensitive of time. So we don't have to go all, all in the details of that. I'm sure you've, you, you can cover that in content in other ways. But where, where do you want to go with it? Like, where, how, like, do you have a dream door number? Like some people say, I really want 200 doors. I want 500 doors. Yeah, like, the, what's the, your goal The door it? number doesn't matter some, too much to me is in, in a sentence, I want to A, have a very boring and profitable business, meaning like we buy properties, money pumps out on a monthly basis. It's like snooze fest city um, because things just run along like like clockwork, right? So, and not just one business, but like mm -hmm. I want to get to the point where I can put operators in place. I currently own three separate businesses um, and our coach would probably have a fit if you heard that, but I own the rental business, which we also have flips under. I have a wholesaling business <laughs> which is to buy more properties at a cheaper price to basically offset some risk of, of how we get properties to the rental business. And then I also have a lending business um, yep. for wholesalers to do transactional lending for double closes. So all in the real estate realm. But I'm focused on all of those and eventually want to get to the point where each one of them has its own operator so I can continue to do what I love to do, which is learn and grow new things, right? Because yes, I'm an operator, yep. but I like to build the system. I like to tweak it. I like to get it just right. And then when it comes to QC and actually running it, I want to give it to somebody else and go do something, go build another one, right? Yep. I don't want to, I don't want to, yep. I'm not detail oriented yep. enough for, for that long term. And so I don't have a goal of number of doors. I have desire to have very profitable, very boring businesses that put off a lot of cash. And as a, you know, be a good example for my kids, um, be a good husband. And then over the course of my life, I plan on giving 20 plus million dollars to different organizations that support uh, keeping wild places wild. So national parks, um, the land, different, different groups that just are, for the, yeah, bugs. Well, for the bugs and for the bugs. I'm, a big, I'm a big hiker, backpacker, <laughs> right? And as a society, I don't believe we can be strong as a society nice. if we don't protect our natural resources. And I don't mean oil and gas. I mean like wide open, unpolluted skies, trees, valleys, resource, animals, you know, wildness. So, yep. yep. I love that. I love that. And you're lining with a mission. That's even better. I, the other thing that's impressive that I want people to recognize, uh, 
and this is just to educate people on what I know, and you're more qualified to speak on this. The cool part about real estate is you're talking about boring businesses. You're talking about money in every single month. Not only are you benefiting from like, and, and this is to people that don't know why real estate is the best investment on the planet Earth, better than any stock portfolio, better than crypto, better than anything that happens. The reason it's the best is because not only do you get cash flowing assets, you have the cash flow. That's what Lauren's talking about. There's money that is continually pumping every month. And yes, there's the risks aligned with it, but you also have a depreciating asset, right? And the depreciating asset means that as you have to fix stuff up and stuff breaks down, you spend money to fix that stuff and that money is not taxable. That means it goes against all the things that you'd have to spend instead to like, you get to essentially avoid tax, get cash. And then as you pay off the property, as it goes down in price, and even if you refinance, refinance, as it goes down, you eventually are able to have a cash flowing asset with no debt. So there's all these benefits that come with it where not only are you getting the money, in passive income, it's not really passive. It takes a lot to get there. There's systems to get there. It's a lot of hard work, <laughs> right? But like Grant Cardone talks about passive income. But it, yeah, I, I hate when people say it. But like you can get to a point where if you have the systems in place, you're not trading your time for money, right? You have money coming in every right. single week. But the real reality is that you're avoiding taxes legally. <laughs> and you actually have an asset over time that no one can take away from you. You can give to your kids or you can just keep yep. it yourself. It's just... I, I just love it. That's why people preach it. That's why I love educating people on it. That's why I want to get into it once I'm at that point. And uh, I, I think I wish more people would just jump to that higher level of opportunity vehicle. Like instead of like there's benefits to Amazon, there's benefits to these smaller things, there's benefits to these side hustles. But the reality is if you have the ability to go do this stuff, you should jump to just going and doing this stuff. Um, especially if you have a skill set in the systems uh, and you're an operator like Lauren is. Um, so, so tell me, what is your goal with content? You, you have an account, invest yep. with Lauren. What's your goal? Why are you educating? Why are you doing this in the first place? So I'm in a very unique position because I started in real estate less than two years ago. Um, I still remember how terrifying it is to get going. I remember a lot of the pitfalls. And so I want to help as many people as possible that are trying to get into real estate, either through flipping, wholesaling, buy and hold, any any of those avenues to give them advice from what I've learned so that they can move faster or in a better way than what I did when I started out. Um, Chad Carson and Bigger Pockets gave me a ton of information, helped me get where I am today. And I want, even if I just help one or two people, I want to be able to provide insight into how I think you should move into the real estate sector. What are the, some of the mistakes I made and help people move the ball forward and, and better their lives and better their families. Um, I also just run into some random things in real estate with tenants and other things. And it, I don't, one of the things you sacrifice when you have all these businesses is I don't really do anything with friends. And so I don't have people to go and like just share these nonsense with. And so I shared on social media because I have, a, have an outlet because my wife just rolls her eyes at me when I tell her some of this stuff. So <laughs> I love it. Well, and can I also say that what's really impressive and just kind of speak against what everybody's saying, you're doing this in what a lot of people say is a bad time to buy real estate. You bought 53 properties in what, and again, this is people, quote unquote, but they say like, don't buy. This is a bad time to buy. It's the highest in the market. It's about to crash. Everything sucks. Interest rates are 7%, 8%. It's the highest it's been. And it's, it's going to be worse than 2008. You've established this and you bought in this season. And my guess is that you're probably going to buy when that crash actually happens. <laughs> That's my guess is like when things get even worse, you're like, let's go. So if go. you look at the data, there was less new loan applications in 2023 than there was in 2008. So um, we are, we're definitely in interesting times, but there's also lower inventory than ever before. And no matter, if you look at the last hundred years and the mm -hmm. appreciation on homes, like over time, it's just a, a line going up. So their only bad time to buy is to not buy. Um, you will see ups and downs over the short year or two <laughs> time frame, but 
over a 10 or 15 year period, almost everything always doubles in appreciation. They're not making any more land. They're not building the houses like yep. they're supposed to. The population just continues to explode across the world. And so the need for homes and the need for affordable housing, which is generally the area that I play in, uh, is going to continue to grow and grow. Um, and I, you can say what you want or people can think what they want about you know whether people will still be buying homes, but in 10, 15 years, I, I see a massive um, split between the upper class and the, the lower class and the middle class is getting spread out. And I think you need to pick a side mm -hmm. and I'm doing everything I can to pick my side. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. And you know, to be honest, if BlackRock's doing it, you probably should too. Warren Buffett, <laughs> you know, Berkshire Warren Buffett's, Hathaway, you is, know, yeah. if it starts raining, <laughs> grab your bucket. Right. And so, um, and then we're not just indiscriminately buying either. Right. There's, there's deals to be had out there. They're just not as as uh, easy as they used to be. Like I'm not going on the MLS and picking up four houses a day. Like you've got to find houses that need work and then you've got to have the relationships to do the contracting work and get them fixed up. But there are deals out there. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have picked up a 10-unit apartment building two weeks ago for $160,000. So that's crazy. That is That is insane. Yeah, get me in on that deal. Get me wherever, it, or I want to live there. I'll, if I could have you as the landlord, that'd be that'd be great. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna wrap this up, Lauren. I, I appreciate your time and your energy. I, I I think people like. I don't know if you're gonna do a course. I encourage you to do courses because I think people should do it, or at least a mastermind. Give your information. Like I, as soon as you talked about that lead, cal like that calculator that you have to identify things, I was like, dude, I'm a marketing guy. That's a lead magnet, and people need it. People would benefit from it. So I hope you give it out as a resource at some point. Um, but thanks for just like educating on the possibility of it. I didn't think we would connect to this much, but the, like as soon as you said Amazon, I was like, all right, let's dive in because uh, half of these Amazon boys uh, are going to be moving to real estate pretty darn soon. And uh, I'm excited that you kind of, you transitioned faster because I agree with you. I think um, focus on things that are not a hustle, that are a business. And if you are willing to uh, invest in it, like again, on the 10-year time horizon. Um, people really, they, they overestimate what they can do in 90 days and they underestimate what they can do in five 100%. years. And I think your, your, your process has proven that and I think there's a lot of people that need, need to hear that more. Um, so thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people uh, follow you and, and stay stay? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is uh, follow me on Instagram. It's invest with Lauren. And to your comment about the lead magnet, um, if you follow me and send me either wholesale, I'll send you. I have a, a template for all like wholesale documents that you can use, a calculator and some format or uh, some purchase agreements and assignment contracts that I'll send over free. No email, just send it over. And then if you send uh, buy and hold, I'll send you the rental calculator one too. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everybody. I uh, hope you learned something. Share this with one person that needs to hear it um, because, in my opinion, a lot of people need to hear this. So send it to somebody. Appreciate Thanks you, Lawrence. So Have a good one. Peace. Can't slow us down.